<laughs> so if you couldn't tell what was going on, well, if you've been to Forest Park House Group, you know who that is. But if you haven't, that's Sayla, our puppy. She's almost a year old, and we've had her since Thanksgiving last year. But in the past, like, three weeks, we've been having a trainer come over to our house and teach us about puppies and how to make her behave better and follow our instructions. And so in that video, she had her paws on the ground, and then she had treats on both of her paws. And so, like, typically if a dog has food on them or anywhere, like, near them, they just want to eat it right away. So we're teaching her wait and take it. And so she waited until Phil told her to take it, and then she took the treat. So... Um, yeah, we just thought that was really cute, and she's so smart and learning. But I'm Amanda. Also, if you haven't maybe been to Forest Park House Group, I go to Forest Park um, House Group with Sayla and him every Thursday. And I'm Phil. Um, you probably never heard me sound like that, and you probably <laughs> never will again. <laughs> I guess unless something happens where you're around me with Sayla. Um, I also go to the Forest Park House Group, and while we could talk about Sela and uh, her encountering God at Forest Park, she usually does uh, during the end of the night when we're doing worship, but she's usually like, um, what Amanda and I really wanted to talk about tonight, something that's been on our heart, seems like more frequently recently because of what's going on in the world. Uh, it's a common thing that we all probably would agree with and know, but we really want to speak into it, um, and that's God is good. And before, I think I, like around high school, I would say that I knew that was, I, th- I would say that I knew that was true. But it was hard for me to understand what was going on around me to relate that. Like, um, I think it was in 05 when Katrina happened. And then a couple years later, um, I think it was Hurricane Sandy. And then there was also in Colorado, there was a pretty bad shooting in a movie theater. Uh, I think that was like 2012. Actually, we were traveling to Colorado that day. That was kind of funny. But I could think, like, I just don't understand how the world is acting like this, but knowing that God is good. And I would say if you're at this place, or even if you know this is true, there's a really good book that I read that was was recommended by Nick, who was up here a second ago. It's called The Good and Beautiful God. It's a really good book. Um, speaks a lot of truth, a lot of understanding from a biblical basis, really through the life of Jesus. And that's really where our heart is for today, um, kind of our baseline for what we wanted to say. And like Phil said, that he felt like, oh, I like knew that probably, but then didn't really know how it interacted with the things going on around him. If you've been a part of house group, you've probably understood that that's something that we value in house group. And so house group has a couple different values that really keep us kind of like taking steps in the direction to move toward the vision of seeing heaven come to earth and not just like heaven coming to earth in Cincinnati, but heaven coming to earth in the earth, in the world. (laughs) And so those values are being gospel centered, being kingdom focused and being love motivated. We want to do things that 
fall under those three different categories in order to see this vision happen. And so when we say gospel-centered, we have realized that a lot of the way that we kind of live that out in house group or see that or communicate about that is through our identity. And I'm sure everybody's heard us talk about or heard someone talk about our identity in Christ and that it means that we're free, sons and daughters of God. It means that we don't um, see ourselves as sinners but as saints because we have Jesus's identity in us and his likeness. Um, But I think another aspect of that is knowing what Jesus's likeness is, knowing what God is like and knowing more of God's identity helps us understand our identity. And so talking about God's goodness, that's an aspect of his identity that is really important in house group and to us that we just wanted to communicate a little bit about. And Phil and I are doing this together tonight. We have, I don't think at a house group celebration anyone has like gone back and forth yet. Maybe in like an interview, but not for like the whole time. <laughs> but you know, like when you're in school, I just thought of this, but when you're in school studying, it's like way better to study in like a group of people or like with other people if you have to study for something that you don't really want to study for. Well, I felt like when I was like thinking about the talk and like preparing and kind of like being stressed, I was like, oh, we might as well do this together. Let's be stressed and have to like prepare for something together and um, <laughs> do this together. But it's really fun to do that. But that's why he's up here too. We decided to do it together. So, we want to talk about God's goodness. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for the privilege. (laughs) Um, So, we want to start with what does it mean or how do we know that God is good? And the place that I want to start at is uh, James 1, uh, 17. So... He says that every good gift every, and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. There's a, another translation that reads, uh, every good and perfect, everything good and perfect is from him. At that beginning of the verse I think a couple of things we can pull out of the verse. Uh, and the, the first thing is knowing that God gives everything good and everything that's perfect. There's nothing that he gives that isn't. So everything that is good, everything that is perfect comes from him. That's such a, just reading over that verse, it's like, man, that's awesome to know that he doesn't give anything else. He gives what is good. Everything that he gives is good, and it's perfect. Um, And we know that from that, nobody else can give anything that's good and and anything that's perfect. So the enemy can't give, and and that's a truth that I love to just sit on and, and just remember and specifically, sometimes in, in what's going on in the world, it can be really good to remember, okay, God gives everything that's good. And the other part, the latter of the verse, I think it's uh, good to understand that he's never going to change. So right now I can say that with certainty. Like I can say, okay, right now I know he's good. Uh, I don't know what the future holds, but I know that God isn't going to change from now. He's always going to be good. He's never going to change. 
um, as the verse says, no variation or shadow due to change. Also, another uh, version says it, uh, the end, variation due to a shadow of turning. And I looked that up in the, in the Greek, and it talks about a turning of the heavenly bodies. And so saying that God doesn't, at one time he's good, another time he's bad. He doesn't change from one and the other. He's always good. And I heard recently a good analogy of this that really helped me understand it, kind of take it in. And that if we were to say that God is milk, um, there is no drop of chocolate inside of him. There's not even a, a t- the tiniest bit. So for me, that was like, wow, okay, I think I understood that. But all that God is, he's completely good. There's, no, there's not even a, a hint of chocolate or fat. Um, I think also we see this is true from Jesus in Matthew 7 when he talks about, when he says, ask, uh, seek, and knock, and you'll find. Because he goes on to say um, that in comparing us, if we have sons, if they ask us for bread, would we give us a stone? And like, no, he obviously wouldn't give us a stone. Jesus goes on to say, how much more good gifts will he give us? So I can't imagine like, okay, I want bread. God, I want bread. And then like, he gives me way more than whatever I actually was asking for. Um, and knowing that truth, um, I think, helps us, man, God is good no matter what, no matter the situation that we're facing. And when we're thinking about God being good, another way to kind of build the case that he is good all the time is looking at Jesus um, and knowing that we can see every, like, everything we see in Jesus, we can know that's true about God. That, um, well, in Colossians 2, 9, um, it says, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So for in him, being Jesus, the whole fullness of deity, like the Godhead, dwells and through Jesus, through him. And we can see all of that there. And um, there's a version of the Bible called the Amplified Version. So it kind of is like a Bible with some commentary things in it. Or like the, the um, people who translated that version like added more things to kind of maybe like allude to like what the meaning of the words are. And so in that version, it says, um, oh good, it says in the second half of the verse, giving complete expression of the divine nature. So in Jesus, Jesus is completely expressing all that God is. And so if we, what the things that we know about Jesus, um, in Acts 10, it says that he healed all who were oppressed. And so if Jesus is anyone that he comes in contact with, he's going to heal them. And if Someone that's oppressed is, um, it says he healed all who were oppressed by the devil. So anything that um, could be like sickness or um, someone having like emotional trouble or um, relational problems, whatever, any way that the devil's working in someone's life, said that Jesus healed all who were oppressed by the devil. So if Jesus's heart and desire was to heal all, then that's the same heart and desire that we can see in God. And in Hebrews um, 1, I don't know if I said that one. But in Hebrews 1, it also says that Jesus, it says that Jesus is 
the exact imprint of God's nature. And that he is the radiance of his glory. So kind of like that is our like expression of who God is. The radiance of his glory, the expression of who God is, is through Jesus and the exact imprint of his nature. And I was thinking earlier, we made a copy of this piece of paper for, that we were like looking at. We're both looking at the same piece of paper. And it's literally the exact imprint. Like the doodle that I did on this paper is on this paper too. And so the same way that if, God, if Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature, he wouldn't be this copy, but without the doodle on it, it's, if you put it, like, if you put something on a copy machine, it's going to copy the exact imprint, and so that's the same with Jesus and God, Jesus is the exact expression of God, so if Jesus is good, and his heart is always to heal, and he's healing all who are oppressed, then we can know that that's the same about God, yeah, and so, okay, this, I think, is going to be up here, but here's another, um, little illustration of this in the Bible that I thought was cool. So in Mark 7, it says, and he arose and went, so this is Jesus, arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and did not want anyone to know. So he didn't want anyone to know he's there, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread now and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in the demon gone, lying in bed and the demon gone. So just to like summarize, kind of, Jesus was somewhere where he didn't want to like necessarily have everyone know that he's God and healing people and doing things. And yet someone saw and they were like, can you please heal my daughter? And he did it because he wants to heal all who are oppressed, even if he wasn't necessarily ready to do that right then, or that wasn't his intent with being there. But he was healing all who are oppressed and that's always his heart to bring freedom so we can know that's always God's heart too. And another way, another thing that we were thinking of, of knowing God's goodness and how God is good all the time and how if his heart, so we know, like Phil was saying, that God's giving good things all the time. He's only giving good things. And we know that God is the same. We can see whatever God is through Jesus. God is the same heart and nature of Jesus. Um, and Jesus' heart was to heal all the time, then we can know and we can guess that God isn't going to use evil or things that are not good to accomplish good. Although in the end, he can redeem things and he can save things and he can bring good out of any situation, but he's not going to use an evil means in order to accomplish a good end because that would be variation or change or shifting shadow like Phil's talking about. Um, and in John 10, 10, it says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So the thief being the enemy, and he's only stealing, killing, destroy, destroying. And then it also says, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full. And so those are two things that are contradictory, stealing, killing, destroying, and having life to the full. And so we can know that if Jesus is coming to have life to the full, and we're knowing that's the nature of God, then he's not coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, and so, yeah, so looking at that, 
I think it's good to start kind of thinking through the lens of that, like God is coming to bring us life to the full and he's not coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But if things have happened that have been of that nature, like that the thief has come to do, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, that in the end God can make something have a purpose out of that or he can bring something redeeming out of that. Um, even though he, would have, he like, would have done the good thing anyways, he didn't need the evil thing in order to accomplish the good thing. Yeah, and so I think it's important for us to remember here, take a sidestep for a second, and just think about personally or what's going on, what's happening. And are we letting that shape our view of who God is? Or are we taking the truth, what we know, what we are just um, explaining, define uh, the circumstances. So for me, this gives me a lot more, I'm a lot more comfortable with seeing, um, I guess that's not the best word, but seeing something like Katrina or like a natural disaster or the um, uh, awful shootings that have been happening and being like, okay, so I know God's hand is in this, but I know he's not the one who's uh, doing it. So it's important, and it's such a, a um, for me, a truth to relate to the fact that God is good to make sure that, okay, I'm not letting what I'm seeing dictate who God is. Cool, and so like Phil was saying, like why that matters is so that we're letting we're not letting a circumstance change what we think about God, but we're defining our circumstances based on what we know about God and based on truth that we know about God. And so this really matters to us, and it kind of changes things if we have that perspective um, and having being able to have hope in all circumstances, even amidst things that aren't great and things that are tragedies and that are awful. We're able to have hope in all circumstances when we know this to be true about God. Um, I think it would be hard to have hope in all circumstances if we thought, and we were kind of like walking on eggshells, like, oh, like, maybe this is going to happen to me. Like, maybe God wants something bad to happen to me, or he wants to teach me something through something bad. Like, that doesn't sound like having hope to me. Like, having hope is knowing, like, okay, even if this thing is happening in my life or in someone else's life or in the world, that I know that God is good all the time and that is the truth about him, so I'm just going to wait for that goodness and keep praying like mm-hmm. kind of like Jamie was saying like even though she felt like she was in like a tough financial situation she was still like trusting God and praying for that breakthrough and like expecting that breakthrough to come um and so I think that in this really changes things in a lot of areas of our life but three specifically I think one it really changes hope in our lives for ourselves when we are able to have an outlook of hope on any situation because we know that God is good and Um, knowing the truth about him, that he's, like, wanting to bring good things in our life and that he's giving good gifts and he's um, a good father, that those things are true about him. It gives us hope um, for us, and then I think it also gives us hope for other people in our lives and people around us. When maybe we have a friend or someone come to us or a stranger, maybe we, like, get, has anybody happened, like, got in a conversation with a stranger out in public, like, at the grocery store or something, and then suddenly they're, like, crying and telling you their life story. So maybe you get, like, stuck in a situation like that or with, like, a friend. Um, And 
they're feeling like hopeless and they are not seeing what God is doing, but you have hope. So you're able to share that hope with them and encourage them and remind them and build them up. I mean, that is why like everyone loves house group and why we have this community so that we can be there for each other and do that for each other. And then also we can have hope for the world and for the life, like the life and everything that's going on around us instead of maybe having the attitude of being discouraged, like nothing good is happening in the world. Everyone is just like, really hateful toward each other, we can know still and, like, still have hope that, oh, well, like, these people need to know Jesus, and I want to still tell these people about Jesus, and I'm not just, like, waiting, like, man, someday I can just go to heaven, and then that will be great, and I won't have to deal with the world, like, and just still having hope, like, okay, everything is going to be redeemed, like, God still wants to do things and still is powerful in the world. Um, in Proverbs, it says, Um, In Proverbs 13, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So not having hope, hope being, I don't know, a synonym for deferred, but (laughs) deferred, hope being absent makes the heart sick. So that is like something that we really need to cling on to and being able to have hope is knowing the truth about God and his goodness toward us. Um. But another reason, I think I wanted to say this before I said that, but another thing to know and, like, another reason that we can have hope is because when, oh, when in the world, why we can have hope in the world. Okay, does everybody in here know that I'm pregnant? Okay, sometimes you just forget thoughts all the time. Like, you're in the middle of something and you forget something. Or I couldn't think of Florence, Kentucky recently. Like, I could not think of the name Florence, and it's, like, 20 minutes from here. But, so sometimes it's hard to remember my thoughts. It's okay. So, where it's was okay. I? Um, in the world. Um, we can have hope in the world because they're... Oh, so, yeah. So, um, whatever I was saying. But there are two kingdoms in the world that are happening at one time. Why we can have hope in the world. There are two kingdoms in the world that are happening at one time. It says in the Bible that um, the world is under the influence of the evil one, of the enemy of the devil. And so... The world's also under the influence of the kingdom because we're in like a now and not yet kingdom. We see God's kingdom. God's kingdom is here in us and in, I mean, right here right now, like wherever we are, God's kingdom is here. But also the enemy has influence here, so his kingdom is here. And so that's why a lot of the bad things are happening or any bad thing is happening going on around us. Um, But we can just continue to like push for God's kingdom happening more than the enemy's kingdom happening. Yeah, absolutely. So good. And another, really going off of that, um, is the idea that because of this, we don't have to be afraid. Uh, it's, um, I know for me sometimes it's easier, I, I, when I was younger, I always had the, the idea of fear of, of failure was um, pretty prominent in me. And I was like, man, I just hope I don't do something bad. Uh, and knowing that we have this hope draws us to say that, well, I'm not afraid of anything. I don't have anything to fear. Um, and that, oh gosh, that just gets me going. I'm very, I'm a motivated person. And if there's nothing holding me back, man, go do what you want. Go do what God's told you to do, what he's called you to do. I love that. And I think um, 
how we might miss that is just simply believing a lie. The lie that God isn't good. Uh, and an example of this that I want to read from in Scripture, we all are probably familiar with, is uh, Peter walking on the water. And so I want to read it. Um, it's only 11 verses, but I do want to read it. Forgive me that I don't have the voice of uh, Grant Weldon, but I will read it. Um, so we're here in Matthew 14. And this is right after Jesus fed the 5,000. So in 22, it says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. So out of that, I just see Peter. I mean, I don't see any hesitation from him when Jesus said, come. And uh, it's funny, we just learned a new command for Selah. We're um, in the process of getting her to teach it. But I, I don't know why this sticks out to me. The trainer said, um, among other benefits, one of the biggest things to teach her this one is to save her life. And uh, it's come. And we've, so she's uh, almost 11 months or maybe 10 months, and uh, we've kind of tried to get that one. But I can just see her when she's, when we're in the process of doing it, like she, she trusts us. She's not afraid. And to put it in almost in perspective, say if she was in a life-threatening situation where she's out in the street and she knows that when I or Amanda say come, that she comes. She's not afraid of what's going on around her. She could pause and be like, oh, wait, I don't want to get hurt, so I'm going to go run. No, she puts her faith in us. She knows the truth. She isn't um, deceived by what's going on around her. No, she's looking at us. And I see Peter doing that exact same thing. Uh, so it's, to me, it's like, all right, so I'm going to do whatever God tells me to come, you know? Um, I have nothing to fear, but fear itself. And so I want to be just like Peter in this instance that he took no hesitation. Um, cause Jesus said, we have nothing. He said, don't be afraid. Oh, um, so uh, with this, knowing why it's important to us, um, 
we thought of three practical things that we could, we, we could do to start living like this. So what's one of them? One, the first thing I think kind of foundational to starting to believe this way, if this wasn't something that was natural for you to believe before, maybe you're realizing when Phil said to like think back about things in your life of maybe circumstances that you let define what you thought about God instead of letting God define your circumstances is to kind of maybe take some time with God and like figure out what lies that you are believing about this. And maybe you believe the whole thing like, yeah, God is good. But there have been instances where in your life where you have thought um, that this situation is from God or... um, Sorry. Fell through my gum off the stage just now. <laughs> On accident. Um, Should I get it? No, it's okay. okay. So figuring out there's places in your life that you have believed lies. And maybe it's not the whole overarching thing of like, well, I haven't, I've just thought like God isn't good. Like maybe you haven't thought that completely. But maybe there have been instances in your life where you've thought, oh yeah, like this situation must just be from God and just what's happening, like how Phil is kind of identifying all those times when he was younger that he had kind of just thought in that way. Um, and then when you realize like whatever that lie is that you're believing and maybe from the example that you just read in the Bible, like Peter's lie was like, okay, like I trust you, but like you're not gonna keep me from sinking in the water. Like I don't trust that part. Or there's just like a little part of like something that you aren't believing or trusting about God's goodness. And identify that and then kind of go through a process of renewing your mind and deciding to get rid of that lie that you're believing and then accept the truth of whatever it is that's the opposite of that probably about God, that God is good and that God does have plans for my life and that God um, wants to give me only good gifts or God is strong enough to, or Jesus is strong enough to not let me sink in the water like Peter might have thought um, or different things like that. So just start kind of going through the process of renewing your mind and changing the way you think about things that contradict the fact that God is good and that he's only doing good things. Yeah. And then right after that, uh, another good thing or um, uh, conjunction with that is making declarations because you might say uh, or think the um, the lie and then reject it and say the truth in your head. But the next thing is naturally to say it is to say it. Um, and this could be uh, these are declarations over specific things in our life or over just general things. Just simply like God is good. So holding on to that and knowing it and and doing this um, often. I know that I just. Uh, started to do this. I have, uh, there's a great ministry, Igniting Hope Ministry, I think, by Stephen Wendy Backland. And there's a, a book that they put out. It's a 30-day declarations. And I've, I've been going through it. And man, to say things out loud uh, just produces a different atmosphere about you. Because I know, so I'll say in contrast to that, sometimes at work, when people say like negative things, there's just some something that changes. And so for me, if I can start off my day um, or any part of the day during any time of the day and just say positive things that I know are true, like God is good. It's so simple, but there's a lot of weight to it. And, and, uh, and 
we know that God can do good things through anything. And with that, if we are maybe struggling with fear, that's a great way to overcome it. And I think for me personally, that's, there's some areas of my life that I was a little bit afraid of. And I know just saying simple truths over them have become, uh, helped me like, oh, like I don't even think I realized just now until that, until just now that I kind of was afraid of certain things. But since um, I've been going through this practice of making declarations, it's made a great change uh, in my life. And then we would say the last thing, but before I say that, One thing I was thinking about, about like a specific declaration versus maybe a general declaration like Phil was talking about, um, and how, oh, he just said how it like got rid of fear in his life. I've like had, I've made some declarations about birth and like the process of giving birth and stuff. And I think probably what I was taught was that birth is like scary and painful and hard and like the worst, like Someone in my life has always said, like, it was, like, worse than giving childbirth. Like, that childbirth is, like, the, like, root of, like, the worst pain or something in your life. But I, like, actually, just from, like, changing the way that, like, I've spoken about it to myself and, like, what I've said out loud, I'm, like, excited for that and, like, can't wait to do that and it sounds fun. And so when we start to speak a different truth, then, like, we, like, believe it and it, like, literally changes things, you know? It's awesome. So the last thing that we were thinking about um, that we can do practically uh, is simply acting. So every day, acting like acting that we know that God is good no matter what the circumstances may be, knowing that God is good even though, man, I just heard on the radio that another um, somebody else was shot, and um, it's been in a slew of, of recent ones. So always knowing that's the case and always acting and speaking and thinking this. And I can um, relate this um, to, I think, I guess it was when I was in college and practicing. I played college golf and knowing that coach would always say, if um, uh, you never know when somebody's watching. Uh, like you never know if I'm watching you to see that Okay, you're actually putting in hard work. So that is something that I learned uh, that I felt like it was applicable. And so always doing and knowing and acting in that truth. And that makes me think, okay, going back to the beginning, what we talked about. So then I'm just like Christ. I'm just like God because he is um, perfectly milk. There's no chocolate inside of him. So, what? Is that it? What? Yes. Awesome. So, and no, we're, I mean, it's okay. You don't have to clap yet. But, and so, after, like, in thinking about that and knowing that God is good all the time, I think a way to kind of, like, let that settle in our lives is by rejecting lies that we maybe are thinking or believing or have in the past about God and really like letting the truth become the new way of thinking. 
um, and maybe declaring certain things about specific things or general situations in our life and letting the way that we speak transform what we believe about God. And then like letting the way that we act really show and um, living in a way that represents the truth that God is good all the time. So I'm going to pray and then like to invite the worship team to get ready to come back. Um, but one verse to leave you with that I think is really cool. Psalm 105 said, says, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. So that is a truth to hold on to, that he's good, and that his love endures forever, and that he will be faithful to all generations. So yeah, Jesus, thank you for showing us the truth about who God is through who you are, and um, and we thank you, God, that you're good all the time. And we just ask that whatever, in any instance in our life that maybe we haven't completely realized that, that you would just reveal that to us, um, and that we would just be reminded of your goodness and be able to celebrate um, your goodness during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you'd like to worship up front, you're welcome to come down and worship with us.